Shows are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Welcome to the Adventures in Tech Podcast. Talking the latest tips and trends in educational technology to innovate and engage your students. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Dan. Guess who's back? Back again. <laughs> I don't want to say the next part of the lyrics. Nope. Welcome. We are back. Finally, we know it's been a long time coming. We apologize for everybody in our delay in getting season two kicked off. Season two, episode one. This is episode 26 of the Adventures in Tech podcast. I think you know us, but my name is Andrew. And my name is Dan. And we are back. So as always, if you like the content, like us, help us out by providing feedback and a rating on wherever you download your podcast from. We greatly appreciate your support. Over the summer, I was able to tell Dan, even though we were not uh, broadcasting new episodes, we have eclipsed the 2,500 people listening mark. That was just me. Replay, replay, replay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, all that's right. fantastic. Thank you to all our listeners. We, we really appreciate it. We do thank you. So uh, we do have a lot of news uh, playing catch up, obviously, and we'll explain why we're playing catch up with everything that's been going on with us personally and professionally, specifically with our roles uh, as tech integration specialists. Before we do that, we want to hit some exciting news, uh, and we have a local event well, right now coming right. up. So I, we should preface local for all of our 2,600 listeners, listeners across yes. the world. Yes, in the um, Hudson Valley. In the Hudson Valley region of New York. If um, We have a great event coming up. It was shared with us by um, uh, one of our teachers that we work with, who is um, really part of the, our local chapter of the Computer Science Teachers of America, and they're hosting a Computer Science Unplugged Day at Center Court in the, in, uh, at the Poughkeepsie Galleria. Um, on November 5th from 11 to 3. Yeah, so a lot of uh, schools from the Hudson Valley participating, uh, whether it be from different districts. And the whole premise and idea behind this is to promote the study of computer science to elementary age kids and their parents by having high school students who are studying computer science run mini activities and fun demonstrations, uh, you know, for the kids. It's great how they're doing like a passport and the kids get to earn some kind of prize as they go through their activities. So a lot of fun. If you have nothing to do, please go support, check it out, and the kids will have fun. We met with them yesterday. They, they have a lot of good things planned. Absolutely. I'll be there with my little guy. Yeah. And, you know, that's really important. And the reason why I say when we talk about the computer science is the new standards, which we will get into a whole episode about this, but the new computer science digital fluency standards for New York State uh, have been adopted, and they are supposed to be rolling out in fall of 2023. So less than a year from now, this is for K-12 computer science standards in New York State. So more more information to come on that as it evolves because it's still in the beginning phases, but the rollout is for the 2023-2024 academic school year. So, all right, before we get to classroom updates, we do have NiceGate. Uh, it is back in person. Right, it's called convening this year, November nineteenth through the twenty second, up at Rochester. Uh, if you've never joined NiceGate, we will put a link in the show notes. It's free to join. Uh, there's a ton of free courses up there. There's newsletters, all kinds of uh, tech news that gets emailed to you daily. I think, right? Yep. So uh, a lot you can do with that, and we're excited with NiceGate because we were actually invited and still putting um, the finishing touches on it. But we will be broadcasting live from the convention floor, and this has been a big deal. We did it last year on our own, but now we've actually been asked to do this and run, uh, get a lot of guests and 
uh, talk with different vendors and see what's new in educational technology. And along with uh, producing the podcast while we're, while we're up there, we will also be facilitating two sessions yes, at we the will. conference. Yes, so we will. Monday and Tuesday are our time. I don't know the times, but those are our days right now. And we're lucky the steam machine that we call uh, John and Tara, who have been guests in the past, they are, I believe, doing three sessions this year. So uh, we will be well represented as well up at the NiceGate annual conference for this upcoming November. So classroom updates. Dan, we've been getting into classrooms here and there. Uh, as we talk about a good uh, summary of things that we've been doing, we flew a drone into the, the Hudson River. Lost a couple things, but that's all right. We, we well, covered well, it. You, you can't just tease it like that. you got to go the full story because it was priceless. Go ahead. Why don't you start? All right. So as we did last year, we were capturing imagery for an AP environmental science class to be used with Class VR, the VR goggles, which, again, we'll talk about them more. We've been using them a lot. And it was a very windy day. A little too windy. And... It just droned down. That's all I can say. The drone, drone went up. It flew away. So as it's Couldn't flying, control up, it. as it's flying away, I'm just saying, just get pictures, get pictures, get video. Andrew yeah. got control of it for about 45 seconds till it crashed. Yep. So we now know the correct wind speed where we are safely able to uh, fly and land the drone. But for everyone that was concerned, the uh, drone is okay. It's it, fine. It's it, recovered. It's recovered and back in. In our hands. Yes, yeah, we have it. No problem. The uh, actual teacher was able to recover it uh, with no problem at all. So that's one thing that we've been doing. Uh, Class VR, you want to talk about uh, what we did with um, the ancient civilization studies? Well, there's a lot we're doing with the ancient civilization studies. So there's a few things. Um, I know, I'm I'm sure we've mentioned this in the past, but we've really tried to incorporate experiences for our students. So um, we've been utilizing for engage activities that VR model to to allow students to go and explore and develop inquiries um, before they actually start delving into the content of the unit. So we took them on a nice tour of Aztec, Inca, and Mayan um, runes so they can start getting an, an overall idea of the area they'd be studying and start generating their own unique questions. Um, so we're running with that. Had the great opportunity to work with one of our uh, other PD specialists who's here. She can give a shout out. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> that's, Chris, that's Christine. And we are looking at taking a more humanities approach yep. um, to integrating social studies more into teachers' ELA blocks. So we really work together yep. um, to create a, an integrated humanities unit on the Aztec, Inca, and Maya that we just launched. And I think it's going very well. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll follow up with that in a week or two when we're in the thick of it. Yeah, the kids, the kids had a great time just in the launch uh, especially with the music that was part of your air pano as we looked into that. So we've used a bunch of different kind of VR, AR kind of thing. We use the actual goggles, but we've also used it in a whole class model with display technology at the front of the classroom. So multiple uh, modalities, the kids are able to experience it, whether it be in small groups with the goggles or in whole class with uh, the display technology in the front of the classroom. And what's nice is that it's transferable between the two, display technology and the goggles. So what's really great is we can leave a set of goggles in the classroom for students to explore on their own when they have time within that classroom schedule to do so. Yeah. So uh, between that and then the other big classroom news is it's exciting. It's taken a lot of our time up, but we are super stoked about it in the sense that we had, we are now one-to-one 
from grades seven and up. That was our big rollout, uh, big district initiative uh, for September. Uh, last year, we were seventh and eighth grade, but now we are completely one-to-one in the environment for grades seven through 12. So it's been great. Um, I'm excited for it. The teachers are adopting it really well. And I don't have much else to say about it yet, but we see uh, they are utilizing it uh, you know, on a daily basis in multiple different subject and content areas. And I think to... to f- Philip, on that classroom news, what we're working on now is as we are putting devices um, into the hands of more students and also more teachers, um, we're really now focusing a lot of our professional development about creating uh, workflows and models for a one-to-one environment that would um, be successful. So really giving good pedagogy behind the use of technology. And I see that's um, being, it's being welcomed very well, which is which is exciting for us. Yes. Yeah. So that's been uh, kind of where we've been at, Um, you know, and before we talk about where we're going, the one thing I want to do is I do want to recap because we have not had the opportunity to, is we were very fortunate end of August. And then for our first uh, conference day, we got to hang out with Matt Miller again. Woohoo! We brought we brought Matt Miller back into Wappingers. He was with us in the spring, specifically with our uh, seven to twelve teachers, and you know talking about memorable experiences and the art of memorable teaching. He did his whole keynote. He ran his breakout sessions, and then from there, it was so positive the feedback that we were able to bring Matt back again to the Hudson Valley. And he was able to present on our conference day to all of our K-6 teachers. So now K-12, they've all had that experience with Matt. And just remember, you can get, you know, every possible resource from Matt from ditchthattextbook.com. That, or what's the, the, the best thing is what he also said was, what is it, getmattsstuff.com. Getmattsstuff.com. Right? So if you want to get Matt's stuff, there you go. You get Matt's stuff, uh, you know, dot com and you'll have Matt. But it was great. You know, he had, you know, he talked about information retrieval and we had karaoke and everybody was, you know, singing uh, a very popular song. If you've never seen Matt, I don't want to give it away. Uh, but it was absolutely uh, fantastic having Matt Miller back in the Hudson Valley. And uh, hopefully we will get to connect with him again soon. Um, he is just so uh, fantastic with what he does and how he presents, you know, the experience from a middle, uh, middle school or high school foreign language teacher. So uh, it, it's good to have Matt. So other than that, let's get to the news because there is a ton of news. Yeah, I don't even know where to start, how well, far back to go. So, uh, you know, there is we, we kind of were picking and choosing when I looked through different news stories. I was like, all right, this we don't need to really touch on this. We don't need to touch on this. The one thing I do want to talk about is Google Sites. And there is uh, more spacing between content uh, insights using a new density theme setting. So you're now able to add spacers to add empty space to your sites in specific places versus last time it was just one thing after another like Mm -hmm. a feed. So you have a lot more flexibility when designing that vertical layout, and it's going to make the template and web page design much easier. As we know, Classic Sites is completely gone. So when you see the spacing, okay, you're able to just manipulate them like a text box now however you want to move your proportions on your web page. And sometimes you want more room for content versus a skinnier part because it may, uh, it may expand as a text box and everything like that. And you want to break it up in, in subject matter uh, or, or different portions of the website. So a lot more flexibility on that. Uh, it is already rolled out. So, it is. You know, so we're, it's we're a little so, delayed. But. But it, and it also is available to all Google Workspace customers. Yes, yes. 
The one thing, I don't even know if I put this in the notes, Dan, and I don't even think I need to because you are so stoked about it. Can we talk about pageless docs? I love going pageless. I know you do. So well, that's the one thing. It, we, I know we talked about it last season, and um, maybe we didn't give it due, maybe I didn't give it its due diligence. But the feature in Google Docs to make things pageless has been a game changer for designing digital content. Yep. Um, especially when we're working with teachers now in our one-to-one -one environment, even if it's not a one-to-one -one environment, when you're creating digital content, to have the ability in Docs to not have any page breaks makes it such a, a seamless experience um, when the students interact with the content that you're creating for them. So highly recommend um, people Designing for that digital space is to use the pageless format in Google Docs. Very simple to access. Just hit file, page setup, and then you can go to pageless. And then once you set it, it's set it and forget it, right? You could set it as a default. There's that option. Right. So you have the choice. If you want to try and mess around with it, don't set it as default right away when you go into that file page setup. Otherwise, you will be able to. And you can always, anytime you want to switch back, just go to file page setup. However, as you start to create in a pageless doc, if you're using tables and everything, if you go back to margins and everything, what's going to happen is it could become skewed. It could be. So just depending upon your sizing, uh, it's a lot easier to go from one with margins to pageless because you're just expanding your work area. Here you'd be kind of retracting it. So uh, make sure if you are going to do that and go back and forth based on your workflow, make sure it could be a little skewed on that. Right. Uh, I want to talk about Keep. I still feel like we've never done enough with Google Keep. And we live off Google Keep. You, you, me, and Art, we, you know, we all live off Keep because we, it's just, we lose sticky notes. Let's be mm -hmm. honest, right? So um, Keep, they now have dual pane view on Keep. They have drag out from Keep. There's a lot of things because of the larger screens, they're now having that. So you can now see your notes and then a specific note. So you can keep notes on the left side of your screen. You can edit content on the right side of your screen. Uh, there's multi-instance support on doc sheets and slides. Remember, it's right embedded right within them because you can have those two windows open side by side. So when I think of how this really helps students in, in the learning environment is, you know, we always talk about note-taking. And, you know, they don't have to write a complete sentence. But here, it's just a checklist, and it gives them the area to just kind of make a bulleted list of their notes of whatever, whether it's a lecture class, whether they're reading, uh, whether they're watching something, um, immersive video, they now are able to take those notes and as they start to use those notes in their documents, in their final product, whatever they're doing, then they can just check them off and say, okay, I've already included this. Kind of like a good, you know, uh, way to keep track of your life, which I always have problems keeping track of my life. So, <laughs> well, you got to keep track of my life too. I know, it's so difficult. But, it, you know, hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm able to keep you up to date with fewer clicks now with that. So That's we're good. good yeah. You know? <laughs> keep is definitely something that um, is worth anyone exploring for, I mean, as it's always been, it's, it's embedded right into your Google Docs and slides. So as you start taking your Keep Notes, you click on the button on the, on the right toolbar for Google Keep, and it brings your notes right up in there in the same pane as you're working on your document. Yeah, so, you know, definitely check out Google Keep. And another thing that we talk about Keep is, you know, like Dan says, I got to keep track of him half the time. So now I easily am able to assign him tasks from Google Docs. So you're now, you are now able to assign a checklist item to Dan, if you want, just 
tag his name if you're part of our district, that will show up in his task list. So now I can really have fun with it and, uh-huh. you know, make fun of some things like, you know, pick up lunch or stay in the green pod or whatever it may be. But when those edits are made to those assigned items and tasks, whether it's a title, due date, or a completion state, they automatically show up in the doc and vice versa. So, I mean, talk about when you're doing collaborative work. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's right there. And then when you check it off, it, it goes right away from the doc. Right, and there's always like a record keep of it, so it yep. makes it nice in that sense. So if you don't use tasks, it's something within Docs that may be beneficial just to check out if it works, uh, you know, in in your classroom environment. All right, other things we know that they have, and people will always get a little confused with this, but the notifications in Google Classroom and Google Classroom app. So. Yes. There's push notifications. You can now tailor those email notifications, whether you're a student or a teacher, with those Android or iOS Mm -hmm. mobile devices. Because even though they're using Chromebooks or computers in the classroom, a lot of times they've always had the Google Classroom app on whatever their mobile device was. So now you can completely tailor and customize what notifications you want to be known. Not only for class, but also with emails, right, with which ones, and then you know, whether it's a private comment or uh, comments on your posts or ones that mention you. So it's definitely something that's able to uh, help you out in mm-hmm. minimizing the notifications as a distraction, let's say. And that's uh, on the iOS or Android device, whatever uh, mobile device your, your cell phone is working off of. Um, so as we look at the next feature, I think it, let me go back and get to my notes for it. But looking at, um, where is it? Oh, our more work with the uh, smart chips in Google Docs. Yep. So for those, I, we talked about a few in the past, but the whole idea of Google Docs now having something called smart chips. So when you are on the insert feature of uh, the toolbar in Google Docs, there's smart chips with a dropdown where you can add links to different contacts that you have. You can put links to different files directly in your docs, calendar events, places. Google is now coming up with um, the option to insert Google Maps place chips into Google Docs. That's great. Navigation. Mm -hmm. And all you have to do to add a smart chip is you just start typing it. That's it. You can just you can just start typing it in. You can use the app menu and put it right in. Makes it very seamless in that regard. Mm-hmm. And when we talk seamless as we transition, you know, over the summer, we always say Google does a lot of updates in, in June and July for an August rollout to a lot of the uh, southern schools uh, in the United States. So the seamless integration of single sign-on, assigning, and grading, they're adding and uh, allowing access to those popular ed tech tools that work best in Google Classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can talk about what some of them are. Uh, there's over 15. Before we tell you some of them, please just make sure if you are in New York State specifically that your district has that EdLaw 2D agreement signed for those uh, those external ed tech companies that are not Google. Um, but Kahoot, Pear Deck, IXL, Nearpod, there's a lot of them. Um, so if that is something that you are using or you have interest in it, okay, it does have to be enabled by your whoever's controlling your Google admin. Um, but, you know, it is definitely something that could help because it just works seamless with Google Classroom. Yeah, that's a great addition. And there's no, uh, it's, I mean, it's not available to personal accounts. This is only... Uh, for Google Workspace Education Plus and teaching and learning upgrade customers, which most districts are. 
So you don't have to worry about that in that regard. But we just wanted to give you that, you know, that heads up. So, all right. So we talked about Matt, right? We uh, said how Matt was here. We have something that we are talking about is, you know, Matt put up an article recently about Google Classroom add-ons, as we were just talking about, with Adobe Express. So if you're not familiar with Adobe, Adobe is pretty much a creative suite, now, are you going to have it? Like, uh, when people think Adobe, what's the first thing they come to, Dan? Photoshop. Oh, I wasn't even going to go there. I was going to say PDF, but, you know, oh. but it could be Photoshop, <laughs> right? So, but you're not going to have the access to Photoshop because the massive size of the program. Mm-hmm. So, there's a lot of different things that you can use with Adobe Express. And one of those things, it has all kinds of, you log in with one click. It has uh, files you can assign to students. It can create them. You know, it's got, it's just, there's, it's like the industry standard for creativity Mm -hmm. suite is the way to put it. You know, Um, professional people use it for web design and social media and videos. And, you know, uh, like you said, the Photoshop it's, but to me using the Adobe express is really going to allow you to get, uh, I don't want to say like, well-versed in Photoshop or InDesign, you don't need the experience. Your students don't need the experience in those products to create in Adobe Express. There's, It's just got a lot of creative assets in there, templates, stock photos, animations. You don't have to worry about Creative Commons websites for assets or copy breaking copyright. It's all seamless. And what's nice is it's completely web-based. And you can collaborate in the creations that you're making. So we always talk about providing opportunities for students um, to have more choice in how they demonstrate their understanding. So if they're looking to create something with multimedia, um, video, design things for a um, social media outlet that you don't actually have to be on social media to do, Adobe Express has all the tools there for for them to, to access and to be creative with. Yeah, and Matt's article goes into depth about it. He uses emojis like with a Venn diagram. And then he's got 10, um, 10 creative uh, assignment ideas using Adobe Express. Uh, we do have the single sign-on with Google or Microsoft, but they have like a things to know about me template. Uh, they have um, something about Julio's going away party. I want to go to that, <laughs> you know. Um, but other things. So they talk about um, mixtapes. Yeah, inspirational quotes, infographics, fridge organization. That does not look like my fridge. But, um, you know, definitely logos, which we talk about, and badges, and uh, all kinds of presentations that the kids are able to then, if they're app smashing, they can put it directly into mm-hmm. a Google slide deck or a Google site, whatever their final project is. So we will post the link uh, to Matt's article so you can read it more in depth in regards to Adobe Express. But those are things that, as Dan and I started talking about, you know, the uh, the, the show this year, we need to talk about some of these creative aspects. So Adobe, Canva. What am I forgetting, Dan? What's the other one we just talked about? Adobe, Canva. There was another one I was talking about. But I, I'm drawing a blank. Me too. But, uh, you know, we want to definitely, you know, talk about how to make these kids, give them more tools because – when it comes down to it, these skills that they start to learn in these little pockets using Adobe and Canva is just, it's relatable to real life, real world life skills. So definitely something to check out. And and, we'll and it's that. really nice. And, and as you mentioned, these are all now 
like Adobe Express is an add-on in Google Classroom. So it just makes that workflow so much easier. Again, just make sure you have your agreement signed. That's all uh, I want to say. So um, the other thing, I think we're not going to have much more time, but did you see Eric Kurtz, Dan? With, he updated his list, I see. Yeah, so um, as we talk about the uh, the list of Google tools to support all learners, you know, I don't even know if we'd be able to go through this whole no. thing. But – you know, we're going to post this because there's always those scaffolds that need you, you need to provide for students. And uh, I know we've talked to Eric before. Um, you know, in person, we haven't had a chance, the opportunity to get him on the podcast. But maybe we'll see him up mm -hmm. at NiceGate again and we can talk to him about that. But, um, you know, Eric has a, uh, a Google Doc that is continuously updated in regards to different resources and, and tools to support all learners. So... It, it's very well organized. You know, you talk about using the table of contents, right, in mm -hmm. Google, uh, that outline feature. What do you think, Dan? Love it. You know, it's it's really top-notch. So he's got his general overview resources. He's got YouTube videos um, and blog posts regarding that. And then he goes into, and we're not going to, we, we've done it, we're not going to go over every single one of these, but just to talk about how, how many tools there are. He's got text-to-speech. Speech to text. Right. Readability. Reading comprehension, audio support, behavior, focus, organization. I mean, you name it. Any um, things that you'd like to address and support your students with, there's something here that could be beneficial in the digital environment, especially with Chrome. Yes. So, and differentiation is how he kind of, you know, um, uh, wraps it up. But, you know, we've done it, I'm sure, at some point where you enable sticky keys. Like, he has everything, whether it be dictation, keyboarding, mouse, uh, touchpad, uh, audio. Everything is on here. It's uh, probably like a 10-page document. And you're able to see and just click. It's all hyperlinked as to what things may be beneficial uh, for you or your students, you know, to help uh, in that one-to-one -one or even anytime you're on a Chromebook environment. So... So are we going to keep talking about um, Eric Kurtz and Control-Alt-Achieve? Because yeah. he just uh, put something out recently, Google Sheets, in 20 minutes. Yeah, that's impressive. That is impressive. 20 minutes. 20 minutes. But, you know, I think, like we've always said, I think there's a fear, right? There's a fear of Google Sheets. But it is easily one of the most powerful tools in the Google Workspace suite of program. And you can use it for many different things. And it's not like you have to create it from scratch. When right. you think of... Uh, flippity, right? The the <sighs> vocabulary, mm -hmm. like it's it, the templates there, you know, it's free 99, like we said. So, you know, but many tests and, and Eric goes over, he's got a 20 minute tutorial video. Um, so it's definitely, look at that. I'm just looking at his bitmoji. Mm -hmm. His beard is strong there, just like in real life, <laughs> you know, but, um, but when we talk about sheets, you know, we all talk about how are our students doing coming out of the pandemic, analyzing student data to identify at-risk students, and tracking student behavior. Very important. Managing inventory, collecting attendance from PD, generating certificates. That's that mail merge, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, conditional formatting, right? Feedback and learning activities. Like instantaneously a student inputs an answer and they're going to see it's green, yellow, red, or right, whatever colors you choose. So they're going to be like, ah, I got to go back. I, I got something wrong. Little, little front-loaded part of work, but it is, it is beneficial. I mean, the thing about Google Sheets is it is such a time saver uh, when you're really trying to deal with uh, 
with data or information that's coming yeah. at you. So we know as educators, one of the most powerful things that we can really harness to help our students is being able to effectively use formative assessment data in the moment. Yep. Um, so by, you know, using Google Forms that connects right to that Google Sheet and already have things in place, like you said, that conditional formatting, you will have instantaneous results of the formative assessments to be able to address things right in the moment. So it does take an understanding of how to use a spreadsheet and set it up, but um, it's definitely worth looking, taking 20 minutes of your life and looking at how you can use a Google Sheet. Right. The benefits outweigh any of the challenges because it'll, it'll make your life easier in the long run. Mm -hmm. uh, you may have to front load some things, but eventually once you have it set, it's going to become almost like a second language to you and you'll be able to understand it completely. So, um, and he does have, which we will post as well in the show notes, uh, he's got spreadsheet activities for all subjects. So if you're like, ah, it may not really be relatable to me, he's got, Eric's got something for mm -hmm. you, trust me, you know, with, with everything. And I mean, in, in anything, he's got, you know, something that will definitely help you out. The one thing I wanted to talk about, too, is you found a new extension. I did. Yes. Right? With the um, uh, structural Oh, that's not released for uh, broadcast oh. yet. Okay, so we're <laughs> cutting that out. There we go. That's okay, but there is some cool things coming out, so we'll just tease it at that. Right. Um, but yeah, really, I'll just cut it out. No, it's okay. Yeah. We don't want to push it, <laughs> push his, his capacity over, but it is cool. So I, we were excited about. We it. We are excited, so I'm sure we'll address that again in the future because we're starting to use it and see how how well that works. Right. So it's in beta. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. So. All right, so we are going to wrap up Season 2, Episode 1, which is Episode 26, Dan. 26. 26. 26 strong. Um, and don't forget, we got stickers. Yeah, we need people to start a... Hit up the sticker request. Hit requests. up the sticker request. Hit up the sticker request. Uh, definitely provide feedback. Uh, we thank you for all your support uh, listening on all the platforms. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, reach out to us. Tech hard, work smart, live an adventure. Find Andrew on all socials at A Nicola Tech and Dan at WCSD Tech DR. <laughs>